Hi, I'm Jonathan Pennington, and this is the Human Flourishing Podcast. This podcast is a repository of a wide variety of sermons, lectures, interviews, and other resources that I've recorded over the years. Today's episode is a sermon I preached at Sojourn East in Louisville, Kentucky. And finally, our scripture this morning comes from Luke 8. So if you're able, would you join me in standing for the reading of God's Word? While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than than was, was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Morning, friends. If you're visiting here, uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we are so glad you're here with us. You know, of the over 800 um, million videos that are on YouTube, and there's a lot of videos on there, I think one of the, the genres or one of the types of videos that I find really powerful, I don't know if you've seen any of these, is the videos where people are getting, have just gotten a, a cochlear implant. Have you seen those? If you don't know what a cochlear implant is, it's a relatively new technology, just recent decades, where for people that are completely deaf or very hard of hearing, instead of like a hearing aid where it just amplifies the sound. It's actually this amazing piece of, of uh, electronic wizardry. I mean, way to go humanity. It's pretty amazing that actually implants some uh, electrodes right on the auditory nerve so that people that have never been able to hear before or have a complete hearing loss can actually hear. And thanks to YouTube, we actually now can see some of these moments when a person who, again, has either been completely deaf or maybe lost hearing completely at some point, goes from being completely isolated, goes from being completely alone, if imagine no sound at all, to all of a sudden hearing first the ambient sound of the, of the air and then maybe a finger tapping and then the human voice. And what's so powerful about these videos is that when you, when you watch them, there's this initial shock usually, whether it's a child or an adult, and then there are tears. And it's hard not to cry as well. I was sitting Friday morning at the, out in Crestwood work, and my, car, my wife's car get worked on and I'm watching some of these videos and I'm just like in the lobby, you know, just crying watching these because they're so, they're so powerful. Now, the reason I was watching them is not just because I like to sit in car repair places and watch a bunch of YouTube videos, but because I was thinking about our text. Our text for today from Luke chapter eight very much connects and I just had Lindsay read the first part of our text and the end part, but we're going to look at chapter 8, verses 4, all the way through 21. 
Um, and if you have a Bible, that'd be great. There's a Bible in front of you. We've also printed the whole text in the bulletin, if you have a bulletin, because I'd love for you to look along with me as we go through it as well. And so if you can look at Luke chapter 8, we've been preaching through the Gospel of Luke, and we've reached this, this place. And if you even now, if you're just kind of look over, just let your eyes scan over Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 21, I think you'd see that there's actually a theme that ties it all together. And it's why I was thinking about these cochlear implant videos. And the theme that ties all together is that of hearing. In fact, if you look seven times in these verses, Jesus refers and talks about hearing. And actually the Bible uses a lot of what we call body metaphors. The Bible uses a lot of parts of our body to, to think about spiritual realities, our head or our tongue, our hearts, the whole, all of Christians together are the body of Christ. There's lots of these body metaphors, but the, the two most common and the, the most powerful are eyes and ears, both of which refer to this most important thing about us as humans that we can come to understand who God is. And the eyes and the ears are used as these two prime metaphors. And what's really neat about this text that we're going to look at is not only is this a dominant ear text, there's even a verse that combines these two together. It's, it's verse 18. If you're looking there, we'll put it on the screen as well. It says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. That's what the NIV says. Another translation says, take care how you hear. Those are both fine translations, but there's actually a little pun here in the Greek text that it's harder to bring across where he's actually using both the eyes and the ears together to talk about understanding. So you could read it as, look how you listen. That's what it says. Look how you listen. One commentator cleverly translated it as, uh, keep your ears on your eyes. And that's what I've titled today's message. Keep your ears on your eyes. And as I was, it's a very interesting phrase because I was talking to my wife about it this week and, and she made the observation that it not dawned on me, like you can't do that. <laughs> you cannot, that's one thing you can't do, like licking your own elbow. Some people, it turns out can, but there's some things you can't do. You can't see your own ears unless you look in a mirror. And that's a good transition to what we're going to see in our text from Luke chapter 8 today, this famous parable. So look along with me at chapter 8, starting in verse 4. It says, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said, he, he said to them in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell in good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if you've been here for the last few weeks, when we've been in Luke 6 and 7, or if you just go back and look at them, what you'll see is that in the last several chapters, Jesus has been teaching a lot. And as he's been teaching, he has been using a lot of images. He talks about blind people leading blind people. He talks about a plank in our eye when we were trying to get a speck or a piece of sawdust out of somebody else. He talks about wise and foolish builders, of what kind of foundation you have. So he's, he's been teaching and using all these images. So in that sense, this isn't surprising. But there actually is something different going on here. 
This is one of Jesus' famous parables. In fact, the most famous of his parables. We call it the parable of the sower, the parable of the four soils. And because we're so familiar with it, if you've been around the church for a while, you've probably heard it. If not, you're in a better place in this case because our familiarity with this can make us not realize how weird this is that he just said this. In other words, in his other teachings, he's using all these images, but you immediately know what he's talking about. Watch out for trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye when you actually have a plank in your own eye. You can immediately understand that. Be careful how you build your life, what kind of foundation. Here, he stands up and describes a kind of normal situation where a sower is casting seed in the uneven you know, Palestinian soil of the first century, and it's going to result in different things. And then he's like, okay, thanks. And it's not at all clear what in the world this means. And in fact, the fact that that is the case is seen even in what he says at the end of it in verse eight, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, do you understand what I'm saying? He understands that not everybody's gonna understand what he's saying. And if you look at verse nine, you'll see that the disciples didn't understand what he was saying either. Look at verse nine that says, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant in the other gospels, it's even more dramatically portrayed. Like they went up to him and like, why are you teaching in parables? They were very confused. But it's the same idea here. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But for others, they're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. <laughs> I'm sure the disciples did not expect that as the answer. That is a very odd answer. And maybe you're not expecting it either. And it's an odd thing to say. Because he's saying that actually I'm teaching in this parable way. And the result is some people are going to understand it and some people are not. And that's mysterious. He even calls it a mystery or a secret. And we're going to have to come back in a moment here and see, try to help understand what in the world is he saying by that. But let's keep reading because thankfully he doesn't just leave us at this place of like, what does this mean? He goes on to explain what this mysterious, mysterious parable means. Look at verse 11. He says, so this is the meaning of the parable. <clears throat> the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. And so they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature or bear fruit. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So now we see clearly that whatever else we thought that agricultural story was about, there's something deeper going on. And he explains it very clearly that when he says the seed is the word of God, what he means is that the message that is coming forth, Old and New Testaments, that God is real and that he is coming into the world to reestablish his reign upon the earth. The, the word of God that is being manifested through Jesus is that he is the true king of the universe and that God through him is again establishing the kingdom of God on earth. That's the message that's going forth. That's what Palm Sunday 
That's a big part of the point of Palm Sunday that is today, that as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, he's described as the King of David, Hosanna, or the Son of David, Hosanna to the Son of David. That is, he's the King that God promised we return and restore the world. But this is the mystery, this is the secret, this is the unexpected thing about this message of the word of God going forth, is that the kingdom of God is not coming like everybody expected it to come, by conquering the Romans, but instead it's coming through his own suffering, through his death, and then eventually his resurrection. So this is the mystery of it. His crown is not a crown of gold, but of thorns. And his throne is not a chair, but a cross. And so this is this unexpected message. And what he's saying in verses 12 to 5, 12 to 15, is that as this message goes forth, it's actually going to be received across a group like this in Jesus' own day, in our day. It's going to be received in a variety of ways. That's what the four soils represent. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's describing, it's descriptive of when the word of God goes forth from the pulpit, from Jesus' own mouth, it results in different responses. So, so look at them. And in fact, what was really interesting to think about in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about this text, it never dawned on me this way, that if you look in the stories and the gospels, including in Luke, you'll see that every interaction Jesus has with somebody, the result of that is the person is basically representing one of these four soils. It, it, like you see this in the stories of Jesus, this is exactly what happens, like the path. The stories where where people encounter Jesus and they just think he's wrong, right? They just don't care. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they think he's just a country bumpkin heretic who deserves only to be killed. They are people where the seed takes no root at all, the word going forth. The rocky soil, these are people that are interested in Jesus for a while and begin to follow him. Like I think if you were here last week or look back at Luke chapter seven, Simon, the Pharisee, who has enough interest in Jesus that he welcomes him to his own house and is kind of curious probably about what he's saying and all the miracles he's doing. But then it seems pretty clear that he does not like what Jesus is about. This woman comes in, washes his feet with her hair, and it's too much for him, right? He's probably an example of the rocky soil, right? I also always think of John chapter six, it's a really powerful part of the, the Gospel of John where Jesus is teaching, he's feeding the multitudes, and he starts to teach these things that are really hard. People say, this is a really hard teaching. He says, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which is, we understand to be referring to this, but it was very odd sounding to people. And so a lot of people stopped following. John chapter six, verses 66 says, from this time, many of his followers turned back and no longer followed him. That's rocky soil. They come around for a while, but then they stop following. And the thorny soil, I think of somebody like in Luke, the rich young ruler that we'll meet in Luke chapter 18, somebody who is a righteous person. They do well, they care about God. But it, when it comes down to it, money was too powerful and he could not get free from the wealth that he had to follow Jesus. And ultimately, I think also, also Judas, one of the 12 apostles themselves, of them that follows for a long time 
and then results in destruction. But there are also good soil people. There are so many people in Luke, including the rest of the disciples, the friends of the paralytic, the paralytic in chapter five, the demoniac who's healed and freed in chapter eight. We'll see the, the woman who's hemorrhaging and touches his cloak and finds healing. Zacchaeus will meet in chapter 19, this man who sees Jesus clearly, even though he's running like a, a, a tax cartel and he repents and pays people back and starts to follow Jesus. The widow in chapter 21 who gives all that she has in faith. There are good soil people. And so what's happening is that Jesus is explaining, this is like a parable about parables. He's explaining what happens in this mysterious way as the gospel, the message of Jesus goes forth, it results in different things. It's a description. And I hope that begins to help us understand again those weird words in verses nine and 10. Let me just show them to you again. It says, when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, to you, it's been given to know the secrets of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but for others, They're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Jesus here is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. So it's 8th century BC prophet because what happens anytime the word of God goes forth, including Isaiah's day and including through Jesus, is that again, it results in different responses and the responses where people don't really receive it are in a mysterious way, the judgment of God upon unbelief. When I say it's mysterious, what I mean is, this is always something in the Bible that's hard to put together. How is it that the Bible's very clear that God is completely sovereign and he has to reveal himself to us? We're dead apart from him revealing himself to us and we're constantly called and invited to respond in faith. Those things are both there in the Bible and we need to be okay with both of them being there and then being woven together in a mysterious way. Any attempt that we have to kind of think that we can solve all of that and fix all of that is basically what I think about, like when I leave the house and say goodbye to my Pomeranians every day, how much do they understand what I'm going and doing in my work? That's how I think about us thinking about God, <laughs> right? That we can understand some things. He gives us some treats. I don't know, the analogy breaks down at some point, but, but the point is... <laughs> Our ability to understand God and how his sovereignty and and human responsibility go together, it's a mystery. What we can do is we embrace what God says, we listen to what he says, and we we own it all. We, We embrace it, but we also recognize it's a mystery. And that's what's going on here as well. Jesus is saying that the lack of response of many people, he's describing this, the lack of response that is simultaneously a judgment upon unbelief. And that's why the parables aren't understandable to everyone. That's why the word of God is not understandable. As Paul is gonna say later, the apostle Paul, you need the spirit of God to understand the things of God. Now, if you have any question about which of these soils matter, I do think it's clear that even though you have four soils, the three soils are all in one category, separate from that fourth soil. Because it's that fourth soil is, is what the Bible constantly talks about, actually bearing fruit. That's, that's the image, that's the idea that we bear fruit. So this is a description of what happens, but I think Jesus is also doing something beyond that as well. He's not only describing what happens, but he's also prescribing something. And what I mean is this, if you can think of Jesus as 
this perfect, wise, loving doctor of our souls. He not only diagnoses our problem, you know, he not only describes what's happening, he also prescribes for us a way of health, a way of life. He's inviting us and exhorting us to, to live in certain ways and to partake of a certain path that is going to result in our health and life. And I think it's found in all this language about hearing. Again, chapter eight, verse eight, he who has, hears, let him, who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he explains the parable in chapter eight, verses nine to 15, it's all about how people hear. In 821, at the end of the, the story that we'll look at here real quickly in a second, when his family comes to him and he explains the true family is those who hear the word of God and do it, that it matters how we respond. And then especially, again, that verse that I spoke of at the beginning, 818, therefore consider carefully how you listen, or again, keep your eyes on your ears. In other words, friends, God really does want us to find life. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that we might find life through him. The whole point of the gospel, and maybe you've heard this wrong, but the whole point of the gospel is not you're horrible and God's mad at you about it, so get with the program. That's not the gospel. The gospel message is God has made you in his image for life and flourishing, but we have become blind. We've become deaf. We've become dead and that he needs to open our eyes and our ears and make us alive again so that we might bear fruit and enter into the fullness of what it means to be human, what he's made us for as people in his image and how that happens. It, it happens by him opening our blind, our blind eyes, unclogging our deaf ears, making us alive. And then we turn, we repent, we follow, we respond. If you have ears to hear, hear, he's saying. And so Jesus is inviting us to pay attention to what he's saying, that it matters what he's saying. And this is what's going on in verses 16 to 21 as well. I'll just read them real quickly for you here. It may be confusing, but let me show you that this is the same thing he says in verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light for there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Keep your eyes on your ears. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away. That's understanding is what he's talking about. You think you understand, but you don't. You won't really have that. And now Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him but they were not able to get near because of the crowd. And someone said, hey, your, mothers and brothers are stand, your mother and brothers are standing here outside waiting to see you. And he said, basically, who, who is my mother and brothers? My mother and brothers are the ones who hear God's word and put it into practice. So what is this saying? Jesus is saying this, this whole idea of light, he is the light of the world. He is the revealing of God. He's not hiding. He's not trying to hide that he is the light of the world. That's very clear. It's shining forth in the world. It's not being concealed, right? But, and because of that, you've got to pay attention to what he says, right? He's not holding back. He is explaining that he is by his words and by his actions. So we've got to pay attention to what he's saying. We have to pay attention to what, how we hear. And we need to do that by using a mirror. This is the point. The only way we can see our own ears is with a mirror. And so 
Think back for a second on these four soils and how those mirror us potentially. And in a crowd this big, all four of these soils are here, I'm sure. And here God's invitation to us, the path where the seed lands and it means nothing to you. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've been coming around to Christianity for a while, but you still think it's just totally weird. Doesn't, not really relevant to your life. Why do we stand so long and sing? Whatever your reactions are, that's okay. Jesus is saying to you today, I want you to find life. I've made you for life. And if so far you're, you know, there's no response, Jesus loves you and he is actually inviting you to open your ears. Or the rocky soil. Maybe you've been coming along to church for a bit. You see, wow, these are some nice people. You see some beauty, you see some goodness. These are, these are, this is good. And I wanna say to you, and Jesus would say to you today, that's awesome, we're glad you're here it's going to get more difficult. And the two main ways that that more difficult times come, one is sometimes it's external persecution. That's not something generally Christians of America have experienced as much. I mean, Nashville to some degree was that this past week and future things probably coming. But the other way and probably the way that many of us have experienced where Christianity gets more difficult after you've been around a while is once you start to see the rockiness of your own heart. Once you start to see your brokenness and maybe once Jesus starts to say, hey, it's time to you know, step forward and give up that addiction or give up that sin or reconcile that relationship. And, and those things are very painful. And in that moment, in that heat, it is very easy to just kind of tap out. But Jesus is saying, there's no life there. You're not gonna find life and just being a rocky soil, come, open your ears. You have ears to hear, come and find life. So when that scorching sun hits you, you don't just leave. We don't want that for you. We are here for you to help. I think the, thor the thorny soil, the third soil, when we hold that mirror up, I think this is probably the one that most of us would tend to struggle the most with. That is that, Maybe you've been around Christianity for a long time. Maybe you've been involved in Bible studies and giving to the church, maybe decades even. But over time, what can happen is that things can grow up in our lives and, and take over such that the word of God gets choked out and things swallow up over so we no longer see the sun and feel its warmth and we don't end up bearing fruit. <clears throat> Jesus describes three ways that can happen at least. He describes it as worries or anxieties and riches and pleasures. When, I, when he's talking about worries or anxieties here, I think he's talking about what he's gonna talk about just in a couple of chapters. He also mentions this in Matthew 6. Worrying about just the goods of the world, like how am I gonna live and how am I gonna eat and how am I gonna make enough money, et cetera. All things that are okay to worry about. Those are real life things. But what he's saying is, that those anxieties and worries can so consume us that we no longer seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That can happen. And then he says riches and pleasures, that's even easier to see how this can happen. I mean, if there's anything that can choke out and suck out the nutrients of the soil of our souls, it's when things go well. When we have riches and pleasures 
the temptation, the ability for those things to really crowd out and take over our hearts is very strong. If the second soil describes what happens when we're starved, we have no root and, and die, the third soil describes what happens if we were to eat all a diet of sugar. It would rot us out, and it does. And this is the, the power of, of when things go well is that it, it ends up can, doesn't have to. These things are not inherently wrong to have pleasures and, and, and goods and possessions, but man, the power, the potential of them to blind us is so strong. My mom is from Georgia, so we spent a lot of time driving down that area, spent a lot of time in Florida as well. And I don't know if you've noticed this, I haven't seen as much around here, but if you drive basically from here south and basically the southeast, the coast, all the way down, especially Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, you will, if you pay attention, eventually see kudzu. <laughs> you know what kudzu is? Kudzu is this invasive green leafy plant that grows. It's a, it's a, you know, like a, a vine kind of, and kudzu, it can grow a fair amount. It can grow up to a foot a day. The certain soil conditions and climate is why it does so well, especially in the Southeast. What happens is that everywhere kudzu grows, it completely covers everything. Have you seen this? Plants, other trees, whole mountainsides, telephone poles, power lines, such that it can snap them eventually. This is the power of kudzu. It, it literally swallows up everything. Now there are something like 350 million hectares of it in the United States. I mean, it's just a crazy amount. Of, it's just everywhere. And I think it's fair to ask, what kudzu might you be aware of in your life? What things are growing that may look pretty at, fine at first and not thinking of it, but is actually beginning to choke out your life? Maybe it's wealth, which is very powerful. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe it's status and recognition. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's a sense of security. Not things that are inherently wrong, but they have this kudzu power about them. Maybe it's admiration. I've shared this quote with you before. It's one that haunts me regularly uh, from Aristotle. He says, when we don't feel loved, we seek to be admired. As I look at my own life and think about my story and my childhood and all that I've done in my life, I see more and more how much the desire to be admired out of an insecurity that I'm not loved is like this kudzu in my life that has the potential to choke out other things. Maybe the same for you. Whatever it is, Jesus is saying, open your ears, pay attention to your life because it matters how you hear, even this morning, that we respond in faith. Now, I'm not saying all that <clears throat> about the dangers of the... Of the um, this thorny soil, I'm not saying that to scare you in the sense of I'm not trying to scare you into anything. I think of it like if you ever drive up past Estes Park in Colorado or go over the Continental Divide or wherever it is, you're driving over a mountain pass and you see these beautiful vistas, but you also see that you could easily just drive off the edge. And there are signs there 
that are warning you saying, if you do drive off the edge, that's not gonna go well for you, right? The point is not to be scared, but to be sober, to be wise, to recognize that how we listen matters and what we do, as Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? The ones who hear the word of God and practice it. Not earning our favor with God, but being wise so that we can, don't forget that fourth soil, this good soil, this fourth soil, it's what he wants for us. He wants our lives to be full of fruit that we get the benefit of and verdant and, and, and productive in the sense of like, we are getting to eat of the goodness of living a life of peace and love and then we're blessing others as well. That's what, he, that's what we're made for. That's why it feels so natural and beautiful. That's when we see that in a movie or a story, we love it because that's how we're made. That's how God is. That's what we're made for. And that's what he wants for us. And so we have to pay attention to these things that are creeping into our lives that threaten to kill that. I mentioned at the beginning these videos of cochlear implants. I trust that some of you might look at some this, this afternoon. There's one in particular that really struck me. And it was this woman, maybe 30 or 35 years old. She's probably had been able to hear at some point because her speech seemed um, what we normally hear but she had a complete hearing loss. And you see her sitting in this chair in the middle of the room with her family around, they're off camera. And you hear, it says, okay, we're gonna turn it on now in three, two, one. And then you see the look on her face. She can hear things around from, instead of being isolated, she can hear, she's aware. And then off camera, her mother says, I love you. I love you. And she just burst into tears, and I did too. What a beautiful picture today of the invitation Jesus is giving to say, I want you to find life. I love you. Open your ears. None of these other ways are going to bring you the life that you long for. It's only going to be found in taking up your cross and following me. Thank you for listening to the Human Flourishing Podcast. To learn more or get in touch with me, visit my website, jonathanpennington.com.